Before we get this podcast started, I wanted to let you know about xfactorroping.com. If you want to improve your roping and take it to the next level, I truly believe X Factor Roping is for you. We video some of the very best horse trainers and team ropers in the industry, like Joseph Harrison, Charlie Crawford, Hunter Cook, Peyton Bray, and many more. I know a lot of us are visual learners, and that's why X Factor Roping, we let you watch the best in the world not only talk about it, but we show it in slow motion as well. How many times have you watched a short video or slow motion run and it helped you out? Now imagine having access to thousands of videos like this. If you're serious about improving your roping, become a member to xfactorroping.com. Welcome to the X Factor Roping Podcast I'm with Hunter Cook. Uh, we videoed with Hunter the other day and man, it was, it was a very impressive video shoot. Hunter is 22 years old. And two or three years ago, you're a number eight healer, correct? Mm -hmm. Correct. And went from an eight to a number 10 healer that's an NFR qualifier, roped with Matt Sherwood last year at the finals. And uh, man, it's pretty <coughs> impressive because you just don't see young guys that can set it up as well as you do and heal so fast. But uh, at the uh, at this level, with you're very consistent at healing fast, and man, that was it was amazing to watch that video shoot that day. So well, thanks, Space. I appreciate that. So uh, we were just talking a minute ago. I thought I'd hit record on the podcast, but, uh, <laughs> but uh, I got I got the record button hit now. Um, but no, that that day the video shoot. It's uh, for everyone that, that watches it, the weather is probably about 40, 45 degrees and at least 20 mile an hour headwind straight up. Yep. And uh, it, there was some really good rope, man. I, I couldn't believe it. Like when I was going through the runs, I'm like, you, I mean, you healed every steer very, very fast. If you got 25 or 30 head spun, um, the only one I don't think you caught, you you didn't throw your rope on. <laughs> yeah. and I was like, the only one I thought he was going to miss all yeah. day, and then he doesn't even release his rope. I was like, okay, well, there if we go. If you don't think you're going to catch, don't throw. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Mm. Uh, and then my favorite part about it is Nikki, she's kind of getting some promo videos and mm -hmm. some pictures and stuff like that, and mm -hmm. Brenton Hall, Chase Triner there. Brenton happens to be healing, and the very first – video i look at he's healing and does not catch i mean he doesn't even get close and then later she's getting some pictures and um man his head ropes wrapped around him yeah. and i mean it was a brutal win yeah. it was brutal so nothing nice uh yeah Brenton will have some some birthday pictures yep. for you so. for sure well man to kind of dive into it um you're from vernon texas grew up in vernon yep. born and raised and uh Man, you, you, we were kind of talking a little bit earlier, but you said you went from a number three to an eight healer pretty quickly, right? It felt like it was it happened fast. Yeah. Right. How old were you when you were number eight? Um, I think I was an eight from maybe the very beginning of 2017, and then I, I just got to thinking. I think the year I roped with Billy Bob Brown, it was 2018, actually. And uh, so a year, year and a half there, I was stuck at a number eight. And uh, it seemed, like I said, it seemed like I went from a three to an eight super fast. Uh, didn't really know what was going on, honestly. It just happened like that. And then I was kind of stuck for a little while. And to be honest with you, that was right when Classic burned down, I'm pretty sure. Had to go to switching ropes, had to go to, because, you know, I wasn't sponsored then or nothing. So that kind of felt like it took a toll on, on my progression. Uh, and then... Uh, it was kind of one of them deals where a lot of it was just needing some coaching, I felt like, from from somebody. And 
everything during that year and a half where I was stuck at that number was all just me self-teaching myself and a little bit of confusion and slumps going on. And then uh, and then I started dating my girlfriend Taylor, and she lived at Paul Eve's house. And I started roping with Paul a bunch. I bet I was at Paul's house three days a week. And I think the after the first month or two after that started feeling like I started roping like a little more advanced a little more advanced and just started getting some help and then uh, after that it just a light bulb went off again and it felt like I started progressing like I wanted to again right do you think uh, I, I mean I I've, I feel like Paul Eves might go down as one of the greatest healers of all time yep absolutely and uh, what I noticed about this guy and is I think Paul has staying power with his healing. Yeah. He rides a heel horse, maybe, I don't know if you said the best, but one of the best heel horse riders. Absolutely. And then he has about, I mean, an unreal amount of heel mm-hmm. horses, and that's what he does all day long, all right? All day, yep. That was, you know, huge for me is, you know, I didn't really ever get to practice with a guy like that ever until that point in my life, so going over there and you know you get there at eight or nine in the morning and until dark you were roping all day and it was also a lot different than anything I'd been around practicing with other people because it was you know he might have rode seven head of heel horses and it was perfect practice every single run there never was a time during the day where you felt like you were just roping you know it was 100% focus you know he might have ran 120 steers that day and he had 100% on every single run of focus, how he was going to do it. Every horse had a plan. He was going to execute that plan on every horse. And just being around that and the, that mentality was great for me. It was, you know, a total change in my roping as far as getting better and how to get better and what, what a guy needs to do to advance. And it was great. So do you think that's been the biggest difference is watching how Paul structures his practice? Yep. And then that's something you have just taken and yep. duplicated. I feel like for me and Paul having two totally different styles, as far as from the neck up, what I learned from that guy was everything. To it, it's, I feel like what's made me get better that fast and, and to feel like I can stay elite for as long as I want to rope or rodeo is all credit all to Paul for that because that guy, he's an animal. He's a machine. He... He knows how to grind it out. You know, he's he's my kind of people. I like to say I like that about him, and it was it was huge for me. So, what's been the biggest takeaway mentally from Paul that uh, that you've applied to your roping? Just learning uh, focus, and you know, some people when they work on their their mental game, to me, it's it's too complex. It's too broken down to where it almost makes it even harder. Paul's mental practice is more of simplicity and efficient. Like, uh, you know, it, it's not breaking down your swing or your arm or your what your body's doing and this and that and breaking it down so much to where it's it's causing you to get worse, I guess. It's, it's more of just give yourself 100% focus, never just be roping, you know, just focus on every single cow, you know, uh, don't let yourself, you know, if, if, you, if you're if you having a tr- trouble in the third round at the ropings, you know, you're doing something wrong. Every roping in the third round, you're roping a leg or something, you know, just think, okay, these next four steers, I'm going to have a forehead roping. I'm going to focus just like I'm at the jackpot. 
at the rodeos if you're having a problem with uh say it, it feels blurry at the rodeos and stuff's happening too fast we're gonna work on you know slowing our mind down watching the steer maybe go an extra few jumps and set it up just stuff like that to where it's just been a, a huge component in in me learning how to how to heal with the elite guys oh man i i think that's a big big thing is uh you know when we videoed that day with you it was i have a game plan for each mm-hmm. of my horses mm-hmm. and what i notice about your healing right away is uh, you man you throw fast i think mm-hmm. i think you set it up really well really fast but none of your horses are cheaty mm-hmm. and everything is it, it looks like and you're like hey this is i rope on them mm-hmm. all like this quite often i make sure that they've got this feel but mm-hmm. you know your, your body posture and everything mm-hmm. kind of fits in with with that run mm-hmm. and uh and i think that's uh and you could tell me if i'm wrong but probably from having those practice sessions where each day when you get on that horse you're working on something mm-hmm. and if you do that every day it, it, i mean it it might take a week it might take like you said a few mm-hmm. it might take years but you'll get to that point where I, I now can ride these horses, set it up how I want to set up, and mm-hmm. everything feels good because you've mm-hmm. been each day focused on that yep. horse, what to do, each run, and you've got the most out of every steer that you can. Is, is that is that yep. what you think? And that is, Do you think a lot of the great healers, is that that's what they do? Yep. I, I'm a firm believer in that. And another thing I learned, and Paul helped me with this too, is great great roping makes great horses um a lot of people think that it's a a a hard process or only the advanced horsemen can can make their horses great or whatever and i'm a firm believer in then if if you if you rope great on your horses or do a good job roping on your horses they're going to be good like you said uh, i throw fast quite a bit even practicing but my horses don't really seem to take anything away from me or get tight but I drive them to the same spot every time when I throw. Uh, if if I go to that spot where I want to throw and I throw every time, they're gonna go to that spot before they think about stopping, you know. Or if I ride down the arena the same spot every time, they're never gonna move on me and <clears throat> down the arena or try to get to a different spot because they've been put in that spot every single time, you know. It's when when you start throwing in different spots is when your horse gets tight or whatever. Like if if i started leaning over the front and throwing way out in front of me for five steers in a row then if i tried to go to the spot they'd probably be a little tight you know what i mean it's it's just doing the same thing that you want to do at the roping or the rodeos if you get them to that same spot every single time and that's where they're used to you throwing and that's where you want to throw at i don't i don't feel like in their mind just thinking like a horse would they wouldn't have a have a reason to cheat you or a reason to 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 do something to cause you to miss because you're doing what you want to do every time and you're throwing where you're wanting to throw every time that's that's going to just make them solid and make them better and and uh to me that's how it how all the great horses are made you know joseph harrison's got some of the most amazing hill horses anybody's ever seen and that guy practicing i mean y'all watched all the x-factor videos of him he just runs around there goes to where he throws every single time and he throws there and those horses have got it down to science, you know, just good roping makes great horses. Right. So, I, I, man, I got to agree. I think I think the other thing that really sums it up is the simplicity of that. Mm-hmm. 
uh, you know, like you talked, is being simple. Like you get to your spot and mm-hmm. and heal the steer. Mm-hmm. I mean, to to really put it that way, but to be really really good and really really disciplined at getting mm-hmm. to your spot. That's that's essentially where there's the art and the craft. Uh, yeah. That I think the greats and like mm-hmm. you're, you know where you're at with your roping, it, it makes it really really special. Yeah. Uh, man, uh, I had a few questions in here that I, I thought would kind of kind of be interesting to hear, especially from a, a younger guy like yourself. What is if as far as being a healer, what is the greatest thing you do as a healer? Well, the greatest thing to me, as in my opinion, is just getting to live this this life. I mean, like I get to wake up every day and rope for a living. From from where I I come from, my dad he's a farmer and a rancher. My mom's a school teacher. I mean, it's the most normal family you can have, and none of them have rodeoed, roped, nothing. Uh, so I guess you could say a lot of the odds were against me uh, when I figured out this is what I wanted to do so just being able to live this right now and, and be able to rope for a living and you know going to rodeos and ropings every weekend and paying my bills by doing this this is the greatest thing that's f- about being a healer for me is getting to do this this is awesome man I, I really I like that answer I think that that's pretty cool um, so when you talk about living this lifestyle and mm-hmm. and being able to do it, when what age were you when you're like, hey, I want, I want to try to rope for a living? Well, I, I was real unsure about it for a while. Like I said, I, I when I, I've roped since I was young, but I was mainly just roping calves, calf roping, and like I said, my, none of my parents rodeoed a rope, so everything I did was self-taught and. I was getting by okay roping calves, but I just, it was, it was a struggle just, you know, self-teaching yourself how to rope calves and not knowing what you're doing. It's not a good combination. And then there's a guy that lives in Vernon, Rich Skelton, when he went to school at Vernon, lived in this guy's basement. Uh, His name's Gary Jacobs. At this time, it was probably 2013. I was probably a freshman in high school. And uh, he came up to me one day at a restaurant and he said, hey, when are you going to start coming and roping with me? I was like, yeah, I'd love to because I'd never had anybody, you know, coach on me or whatever. So I was ready for for some help. But he was a team roper. And uh, I'd never really team roped much. I I would heal for somebody if, you know, a pickup partner needed something at a high school rodeo or something. But I never actually, like, roped, roped, team roping. So uh, my freshman year of high school, I started going. He lived about a mile from the high school, so I'd walk to his house every day after school, and I'd rope with him. And he said he was a quarter horse racehorse trainer. And he said, if you gallop these racehorses for me every day around the track, I'll rope with you till dark or whatever. I'll teach you how to how to heal. And I said, perfect. So every day I'd walk over there from school and I'd gallop those racehorses. He had three or four of them. And then we'd rope. And I, I was kind of liking it, but I was still unsure about you know, I, I for sure wasn't like, this is what I'm going to do. I was just having fun at this point in time. And then um, there was another kid there that was working for him that was heading. He was roping uh, all the time. And I always told him, I said, I, I'm not, I'm not going to rope on the weekends. I'm going to, you know, go hunt or whatever, hang out with my family. He's all right. So... He took that guy, that other kid, to Wesley Thorpe's house one weekend, and they roped. And I come back from school that Monday and went to his house, and he said, uh, 
he said that they went to Wesley Thorpe's house, and I was kind of bummed out. I was like, why? I, I wanted to go to Wesley Thorpe's house and rope. You know, why didn't you? Why didn't I get to go? He said, nope. That kid wants it, and you don't. He said, uh, you said you don't rope on weekends, so we weren't even going to bother. And it just lit a fire under my under my butt right there. I was, you know what? He's right. I'm I'm kind of being lazy and sorry. And so I started working at it a lot harder that year and uh, started, you know, dedicate my life basically to, to roping. Uh, just from that moment, it was weird. And uh, roped every day, all day, weekends, Christmas. It didn't matter. We were... We were roping if I wasn't doing something with my family or wasn't at school. And uh, I started, finally, I learned how to, I remember I was in class, I was watching Drew Stew videos with a GoPro on, on how to get in time. Because I could never get in time. And then finally, I figured that out. And once I once I started getting to where I could like time them up and heal the steer, man, it was game on from there. I was stuck on roping. And... Uh, so about two thousand, the end of two thousand thirteen, I bought my first card, three healer, started going to jackpots and stuff, and uh, from then on, it was my my life was roping. I everything I did, I never did anything. I mean, I I didn't play football no more. I didn't play basketball. I quit all that. Uh, everything was just roping. That's what you knew. That's yeah, what... I knew. So Drew Stew, yeah, man. And, and that's that's so funny to me because he, he's done I, shout out to Drew but yep. man I think he's done a great job with with everything but you know when we're like seeking that advice on, on mm-hmm. learning timing you, you're telling me that you basically knew how to time up a steer as a three healer is that is yep. that okay so that's why you went from a three to an eight it's so fast, fast. yeah because yeah. if you can yeah. see timing you're gonna go I mean it's you're yeah. almost instantly a seven healer yeah. I feel like yeah. I, I remember when I could I first started to see it it was pretty rough because I would like start to float my loop because yeah. I knew I was going to throw and miss and yeah. I would lay it beside him like soft <laughs> yeah. like it looked like I was going for a finger roll and then I would just I, yeah. I mean I would just lay it beside him yeah. but it was within months that I was like mm-hmm. I could I started having those practice sessions where I caught 70-80% of my steers yep. every day yeah um, what's been the biggest thing to help you right there or do you remember when you like started yep. to to get timing was it yep. was it the gopro videos from drew stew yep. yep i started watching those gopro videos every day for about a week in class uh our classrooms were set up with computers in front of us and i was just watching those videos watching those videos and i was watching his hand when he would start his delivery and you know in those videos you can see the swing coming over the steers back right and i noticed you know, when the tail head was coming up or when the feet were coming up, his uh, tip was over the steer's back. And that's kind of how his timing was. And then I watched his delivery was just a continuation of his swing. And that's how I looked at it. You know, I always thought a delivery was something different. It's, it's, I learned through watching those videos, it's just a continuation of your swing. You're just letting go. And I remember, uh, I did that for about a week and didn't really focus on it in the practice pen that week for a while because I knew I didn't have it down yet. And then uh, I roped a dummy f- for a few days and kind of played with it. And then when I finally on the dummy felt 100%, uh, the next day when, when I roped steers, it was like boom, 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 just right. two feet, two feet, two feet. And uh, the, the guy that I was going to – I was going to Waco, I think, the next weekend after I figured that out. 
and the guy I was roping with came to that old man's house to rope with me. And he said, oh, my gosh. He said, what? You're you're a three? Like, because I, I didn't really know him. It, we just got lined up to rope. And, like, I think it was a nine-point or eight-point rope. And I said, yeah. And I think I caught 10 or 12 steers behind him by two feet in a row. And uh, we ended up being high call that weekend at, in the, at the roping. And I missed in the short round. But that's when it was just like a light bulb went off when I figured that out that timing deal is when to throw and how to throw and like you said at first when you're playing with it you want to maybe sometimes float it or because you're too caught up watching the feet or whatever but when I finally figured out to just keep it the same as my swing and let go it was game on from there man um I gotta say like it didn't take me that I, I mean I I probably healed a few thousand steers like we were breaking in steers my dad uh, was a roping producer so we would break in a lot of steers and mm -hmm. and I I know for sure I I, I talked about the 10,000 rule but I know I've missed 10,000 steers <laughs> I have missed healing I just no, I'm, I've probably missed more heady but yeah. I, I I've definitely missed 10,000 steers before I learned how to to, yeah. to develop timing so man you you've got to be pretty naturally talented right is that is that something that is like you have some very good skill that way like just to, you can be really honest with I, us i feel like it was a god-given gift to to do this uh my it was just it happened pretty natural for me i mean i really it's not like i had to i got to cut any corners or anything i still had to work my butt off uh but i, I was pretty decent athlete in school so I feel like my hand eye is is pretty dang good uh I just wasn't big enough to be that good at the sports we were playing but I feel like my hand eye is really good and my hands are pretty fast and that helped helped a lot and but I mean like one of my best friends Jeremy Bueller that guy is the furthest thing from like being naturally talented that guy's had to work his butt off to be I wouldn't say mechanical but he's had to like teach himself everything in that aspect of like timing and how to how to like where where I feel like I can just feel stuff about to happen that guy has just trained his mind to know what to do when that happens if that makes sense right so I know from both ends that whether you're you feel like you're naturally talented to be able to do stuff or where whether you you had to train your mind to see stuff um i think either way you can get to where you want to be it's just a little different process of what you got to do to get there like me i i feel like i learned it all from vision watching videos and stuff where some guys have to go through like the trial and error aspect of it you know i i think that's that's something that it can be your best strength or your greatest weakness yep. uh, and there's a lot of you see it with a lot of kids mm -hmm. and it's uh, I'm kind of interested to see what what you have to say about this but to me like I, I feel like I I have I can see things mm -hmm. and then I can do it like mm -hmm. I can so if someone shoots a jump shot a certain way I can start shooting jump shots like yep. that and I can kind of emulate the same styles with healing but yep. uh, what I noticed is it when things got real easy for me I got pretty bored with it. Mm -hmm. And you yeah. see that with uh, a lot of kids. There's been a lot of young guys out there that were mm -hmm. eights, nines, tens before they're out of high school. Yeah. And they're nowhere to be found now, yeah. especially from the last 10 years. Yep. You know, I, I think that there's a lot of those guys that they can't, they can't mm -hmm. hang. And mm -hmm. it's because of the work ethic. Yep. And um, so would you say that's like your, your greatest 
like your biggest weakness mm-hmm. and, yep. and you've kind of learned how to get through that. Like, Hey, it's, this comes pretty easy, yep. but don't, you don't take it for granted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like the biggest thing to me is I try not to let myself feel satisfied. Um, cause to me, once I feel satisfied, I feel like I would plateau and I feel like a lot of people do. I mean, I can remember going to, you know, the college rodeos and stuff. There was probably 10, 15 guys that could whip my butt every day. Uh, that were just amazing you know all they had to do was you know snap their fingers and they were going to catch two feet on the first jump it felt like they were just so advanced compared to where I was at but I feel like they got so good so fast and like you said just get bored they they feel like you know I'm as good as I need to be to win and at that time they were but there comes a point in time in your life where you got to realize you know and it's hard, especially at that age, to realize this, but that's not going to work forever. You know, you go to the, the Lone Star Shootout or the BFI and stuff like that later on, you know, all those guys, you know, Jade Corkle, Paul Leaves, Jake Long, uh, Junior, those guys have been that way for 10 years before they were and have still worked at it through those 10 years. You can't expect to beat those guys when you show up. Uh, so that's, you know, another deal that I try to, keep myself I don't know if you want to say humbled or whatnot is uh you know if if I miss too many in a row it's gonna be hard to pay the bills for too long you know I try to think about that too to keep me you know going uh if if I just get satisfied and plateau off you know it won't be six months and my name will be erased from everything because there's so many guys that rope good and they'll just forget about you and leave you in the dust so I try to keep keep thinking about that and Another thing that that old man taught me is he said, you got to rope even when you don't want to rope because the days you ain't roping, somebody else is and they're getting better than you. And me being competitive and liking sports and stuff is, you know, I don't ever want to feel beat. I don't want to feel like, oh, it's a little cold today or it's a little windy. I'm going to sit inside and and just relax today, you know, and the thought of someone else getting better than me, yeah, pisses me off. I don't want that. I don't want anybody getting ahead of me. So those are just kind of the mental things I think about when I feel like I'm getting, you know, uh, you know, I'd I'd really like to just take it easy today and go watch a movie. You know, that's what I, when I feel like that, I try to think about those things to get me, you know, it's 20 degrees out there and it's cold. Well, so what? We got to, we got to, we got Fort Worth coming up or we got Odessa coming up you know I gotta I gotta get ready I gotta be prepared to do my job there, there's someone out there yep. outworking you and right when, now when yep. they run you know when you run into them yep we're doing gonna, this podcast gonna, right now and someone's out there yeah, so, <laughs> someone's yeah, seriously someone's out there healing steers right now and and they'll you know when you see them they'll beat yep. you I think that's a I, I read a book. I think it was Tim Tebow's a long mm-hmm. time ago, and that was something that the trainers always said: yep. someone out there is outworking you, Beaten. and when you meet them, they're going to beat you. Yep. Yep. And uh, it, it's it's the truth. Mm-hmm. I mean, for every time that I, I feel like everyone's like, well, I, I work at it pretty hard, mm-hmm. and then there'll be a day where there's thirty yep. mile an hour headwind, and uh, a lot of people will stay inside, yep. and then what you find is. A lot of people are out there just, it's the same deal. Yep. They got seven, eight, nine of them. Yep. Like, I mean, that day you had eight horses. I, yep. I, don't, know, I don't know. The stock trailer yep. was filled up. Yep. Yep. And, you know, just like that, you know, the, the, it was windy, cold, rough conditions. 
But I know y'all videoed the Wendy Ryan last year. How hard was that headwind? I mean, I was using my stiffest head ropes, and they were blowing back yep. at me. And that was... And uh, yeah. people that rope in those conditions, you know, or practice on days like that, they probably weren't even worried about it. You know what I mean? It's just... Right. That's the way I look at it. You know, how during the summer, we might be at a, you know, Cody, Wyoming, you know, $10,000 one-header. Wind's blowing hard. I want to feel good about it. I don't want to be worried in the back of my mind. Man, I, I don't really rope in, in hard wind. I don't know what I'm going to do. You know, that's just the way I look at it. Is. Oh, I think it's a, it's a, it's a great way, man. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember living on 3025 right here in Stephenville. The arena we were at had the worst headwind. Mm-hmm. And it, every day it was windy. Mm-hmm. Just in that arena. I don't know why. And uh, one day we, I mean, I had a, I had to start using medium soft head ropes. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and so after using those for about a month, I was out at Logandale, and sure enough, the wind was blowing really hard. And uh, I was like, no big deal, just yep. grabbed it. I do it every day. And and I didn't even realize it at that point. Mm-hmm. But I, and I look back, I was like, oh man, that was. That's that, a yeah. good thing I roped in headwinds a lot. Yeah. yeah. All right, so man, you're you're 22 years old. Mm-hmm. I think your belief system is very, it's delicate mm-hmm. when you're younger. I mean, <laughs> yeah. at least it was for me. Yeah. Is that something you've always been really good with as far as believing in yourself and what you can be, you know, what you're capable of or how, you know, how, how do you go about managing your, your confidence or, you know, what you believe you can do? So, uh, when I first started my, my belief system, I felt like was pretty good. I, I, I knew I could, I could figure stuff out because I'd already figured out some stuff that were key components to healing and so I was like man I, I got this you know I'm I can do this and then there come a time you know like in college and stuff where where people that are more advanced than you beating you some sometimes you can place a little bit then it, it got a little shaky as not to where I was like oh I'm never I'm not gonna be able to do this not that bad but like gosh I'm behind you know it was more of a worry feeling oh I, I need to get better. I, I'm I'm not good enough yet. But saying that, I feel like it helped me get better by in that point in my life. It helped me get through that stage where some people were plateauing that made me keep getting better. Uh, and then now, um, that's a big big part of healing uh, healing good in the in the PRCA is you have to think that way. Uh, you have to know you're good enough. You and and even if you're not at the time, you you got to think that way. You know, I've been putting the work in. I've been putting the time in. I belong here. I can rope with these guys. That's kind of the thought that that I try to have. Uh, I, I mean, as like I said the other day, as long as you're working hard and as long as you got a, a level head and you're you're doing the things you need to do, yeah, uh, you should be able to you know go anywhere you want to go. You should be able to make it work. Uh, just keep grinding. Keep hustling. And, uh, and and you're you're gonna be good enough, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, I mean, we all have weaknesses. What's your biggest weakness? You think as a healer right now? Uh, my biggest weakness as a healer probably is, uh, man. I think sometimes I'm a little too too confident and stuff. Um, as far as shot selection, that's that's probably my. Me and Colton were talking about it the other day practicing uh, at the at the Lone Star Shootout on his first steer. We're in the last rotation, easy rotation. He turns the steer to be easy five second run. I throw. Looking back now, it was too fast. Caused myself to to catch the steer at a bad time, 
and uh, my bottom strand got caught in his dew claws. Right. Couldn't pull my rope tight, missed the steer. Had to be 17 to make it back onto. Super bummed out at myself, super frustrated. And we were talking about it. Colton said, you know, I, I don't feel like you're doing anything wrong necessarily. I just think sometimes you're you're talented enough and confident enough that you take shots that in your mind you're telling yourself, you know, I can catch easy. When in reality, if you go one more swing, steer opens up, I heal him. You know, we're still 5'6 instead of 5'2. That's my biggest, biggest problem right now that I'm working on is you know, and don't be, it's hard to explain because I, you need to be confident, but sometimes I'm a little too confident and, oh, I can catch that steer. And when in reality, it's a 50-50 shot and my mind's telling me it's a 100% shot, you know. Right. I've, I've got to really work on, focus and do that first jump if the steer's not not ready, good enough to heal yet. I need to go one more, let him get good, and then heal him. So that's what I'm having to work on constantly, 24-7. Uh, at the house right now, the last month, I've been practicing, you know, if a steer even stubs his toe, I'm going to go one more swing and make sure he's good before I heal him. So that's my main problem. Well, and, and I, the reason I ask that question, and I think it's, it's important for basically everyone that wants to get better to understand is mm -hmm. knowing what your weaknesses are mm -hmm. and how to not break yourself down. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and I think that's, that's a big deal is yeah. being, like you said, one month you yeah. have been working on this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and so it's like, Hey, I'm, I'm not going to say, Oh, I, I suck or mm -hmm. I can't like start adding hesitation to your roping. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You're just trying to be disciplined, trying yeah. to see the, the run, clearly and and know mm -hmm. your shot selection yeah and then i think that that's a big thing is like just being self-aware and being mm -hmm. able to to talk to your partner yep. and and or you know someone mm -hmm. that do you like will you ask paul or someone like yep. that on stuff absolutely like this? absolutely uh i'll talk to paul a lot or and i'll talk to my partner a lot you know the guys that i know have watched me rope a bunch and i know could could tell me you know if if they see something the guys that will be honest with me and tell me what they think and just talking to your partner is really good because you know your your runs based around them basically and and they Colton's seen me heal a thousand steers you know he's he's seen me you know how I and my style developed through the years you know even when we weren't partners I've roped with him a bunch so I'll talk to him a bunch about it and stuff like what did you see right there? What it looked like right there? What What do you think right there? And I'll go back and watch videos and stuff. But I, like you said, try not to break it down too much. Uh, I talk to a lot of a lot of nines and stuff. You know that I've grown up with some buddies, and when they start talking about problems they're having, it, it's it's almost so complex that I, I get lost when they're talking about it you know it's right. uh, my arm my swing this that you know my horse my left rein my you know it's it's so complex and hard and and you can understand why they're struggling because i'm struggling trying to even keep up with the conversation you know so i always try you know keep it simple don't break it down so much point out the obvious in the run you know if you got 10 videos of steers you miss the same way every time uh, you you caught the right leg every single time, big loop on the right leg. That's simple. You just didn't follow through all the way through the feet, or your horse was a little too far behind them, so your rope couldn't get, you know. Don't ever make it so complex to where 
you're working on stuff that's unnecessary. Uh, it, like if if you talk to Paul about something, uh, this that's another thing I learned from him. Uh, his his ways of like he always tells me he says if I if I'm messing up or something I can I know what I need to revert back to and every time he says if I'll just sit up square keep my swing level on my horse I can usually fix my problem every single time. So if he's in a slump and he's messing up a bunch he has one thing that he goes back to that he can fix it with you know it's never a long drawn out process of 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 something that that you think you know uh, albert einstein has to try to figure out for you it's never it never needs to be that way you know if like you said like uh, my problem that i've been working on here lately it's one thing i just work on focusing on the steer a little harder you know making sure he's right before i heal I'm not changing my swing. I'm not changing my delivery. You know, I could have very easily missed that steer the other day at the Lone Star Open and started fixing my swing and fixing my horse and fixing my delivery. And I'd probably be going down three steps instead of, you know, go, progressing. So that just simplicity is is key to healing at a high level, I think. I agree. I think improving. Yeah. It, improving. I mean, in general, it's, yep. it's, a, it's a big thing to be mm-hmm. simple with what you're working on, mm-hmm. but consistent. Yep. Yeah. Yep. All right. So your healing position is different than a mm-hmm. lot of guys. I mean, it's mm-hmm. there's a few guys that heal the way you do, mm-hmm. but it's you read a lot tighter position. Mm-hmm. Is that something that it just felt natural to you mm-hmm. and, uh, all the time? That's just been who you are mm-hmm. always. Yep. I feel like it through throughout your your life of roping or whatever. Everybody finds their their spot. You know, you can take the top fifteen guys and majority of them are totally different in the way they do things you know you can go from Russell Cardoza style to Paul Eve style totally different both of those guys heal great um that's something that I've just uh developed on my own through running a million steers of doing that and and developing my style around that uh I'm a real jittery person I like to say like a I always want in there I want I want to get there I want to get there I'm real on edge so that's kind of how my style is um, I want to get there I want to be a part of everything I'm not really laid back so I don't want to hang back and 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 rope that way either but that's come with a lot of discipline that I've had to teach myself through that too you know not crashing the corner uh, not getting too close to where you rope your horse's front leg just lots of stuff like that but I, I've done it enough and, and learned how to discipline myself enough to where uh, I can set it up to where it's a high consistent shot now instead of so kamikaze. Uh, and I feel like everybody's got to go through that. They they got to develop their own style. I, I hate when people, I shouldn't say hate, but I, I really don't like it when people try to change people's style to the way they rope. Uh, like doing rope in schools. Uh, I've only done four or five now, but... I try to tell the kids, you know, I'm, I don't want to change you because that's who you are. That's how you're going to make your name. Uh, I can give you some advice to help you perfect your style or help you, or I can watch you rope and see what's going to make you, uh, your style work better. But I'm not going to change you and tell you, hey, you need to ride like me. You need to swing your rope like me. You need to rope like me because, you know, there's the, the best healers in the world all rope different. You know, Joseph Harrison, Paul, uh, and Junior three of the best healers they don't they don't rope nothing alike uh they're all got different styles they all ride different joseph swings different paul paul swings different than junior but 
they've all disciplined themselves to make their style high, high percentage and work and how to win doing that. Well, and I think that's, and I'm really glad you said that because you think headers is a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Um, the the healers, I, I can't really name two healers with the same swing nope. except for Trevor and Dakota Kirschenslager. Yep. And, and I mean, they're, they're brothers. They're brothers, yeah. <laughs> but really, you know, I, I get edited a lot of videos and look at a lot of different swings mm-hmm. and there's no, almost yeah. no one is yeah. the same. Like, um, just like you're saying, and I think that's, there's similarities, like mm-hmm. where the horse has got to get to mm-hmm. and, the, and how the run sets up. And there's a lot of like how you can get your horse to that spot, to mm-hmm. your spot. Yep. And there's a lot of ways you can work on it. Mm-hmm. But I think you have to own your yep. swing and own your style and then bring in these other things. Mm-hmm. Like Paul Eves, like I feel like that you can see it a lot when you rope is you ride pretty similar to mm-hmm. Paul. I mean, your, mm-hmm. your body and everything's real mm-hmm. correct. And, and I think that's one thing a, a lot of healers have in common mm-hmm. that heal great yep. is they're really good about their cues that they're giving their horse yep. and, and riding their horse. Yep. And getting to that same spot every time, you know, everybody swings different and rides a little different, but you know, the, the great healers all get to that one spot and throw and they all do that that same kind of you know smooth entry get there to where they want to get and heal the steer that's something that they all do so you know perfecting your style or trying to trying to uh get to where you're healing at a high level or whatever you know go back and watch those videos of yourself and figure out okay this is my style but what am i going to do to get to that spot get to that entry to where i can heal the steer on the first jump if i want to or just little discipline things that you can perfect uh, to do what all the, all those guys do is key, I think. I, I really agree with you, man. Mm-hmm. So, roping with Cody Snow a little bit last year. When did uh, when did you guys start? Were you second or third jack- partners at the jackpots, or how did that kind of work? That was crazy. Uh, we weren't even we hadn't even roped at jackpots or nothing hardly. Uh, I think we might have accidentally, I might have drawn him at a rope in somewhere or something. But me and Cody were always pretty good buds, and uh, I really wanted to go to California, and because I felt like my jack at that point in my career, my jackpot style was was working good. Uh, I'd placed at the West Texas Open, placed at the Odessa Jackpot, you know, and I was doing good at the jackpots here at that time, and I really, really thought I was like, man, I need to go to California. Uh, I was roping with Bubba Buckaloo, and Bubba was, really didn't want to go to California. He, uh, he wanted to just stay around here and go to, like, Corpus Christi and all that stuff. And, and uh, he said, but if you if you find a partner, he said, you go ahead, go to California. Uh, and he picked up Petska to rope with those rodeos. And Wesley told Cody, he said, hey, uh, I'm going to have a baby. You know, I, I don't need to go out there this year. Random deal, just Cody called me out of the blue said hey uh i was wondering if you wanted a rope at california or needed a partner and i yep absolutely i told him for sure and i think that was maybe right around this time when he called me and once a week i'd call him hey are we still we still going to california yep i was a little little too excited but that was awesome man that was that was a huge huge part of last year uh just confidence wise and and uh you know knowing that feeling feeling like i belong here anyways it was it was great well i mean i gotta watch it just a little bit and man i've watched you heal at this point and i mm-hmm. knew 
I knew he'll good. Mm-hmm. I mean, to get Bubba mm-hmm. at the rodeos was a big deal. Mm-hmm. He heads great. Yep. And uh, and I remember just watching you heal, and I'm like, man, Hunter, he likes to cut it out pretty <laughs> fast. And uh, in fact, there's two healers. I was like, man, these guys are they're, they're lights out. It was you and Caleb Anderson. And I was like, man, both of these healers are they are hungry, <laughs> and, and they are not afraid. Yep. And uh, and then I and right before California, I like watched you guys at a, maybe a few jackpots around mm-hmm. here. I guess maybe you started roping right around then just to kind of mm-hmm. get ready for California. Yep. And then we go out there. And you are after the feet. Like that, uh, that was the one thing I was like, there was zero hesitation in your healing. And, and I, I mean, looking back at it, that, that was your chance. Mm -hmm. That was your chance where like, Hey, uh, you had, Mm -hmm. I think Cody Snow is a top five header. I agree. And maybe Mm -hmm. a top two or three Jack Potter. He is unreal. Yep. And so, you know, you're going to get to turn in a lot Mm -hmm. and for a lot of money. Mm -hmm. It's just the way it is with Cody. Yep. And you, there was no hesitation. There was, I mean, the first rodeo I think I saw was Red Bluff, I Mm -hmm. I think. And it's a long score. I mean, typically, yeah, there might be a few five second runs throughout Mm -hmm. the whole rodeo, but it's typically six and seven second runs, kind of got a BFI type of feel to it. And you were cutting it at them Mm -hmm. fast. Mm-hmm. And you guys win pretty good right there, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, really good. Yeah, win good right off the bat. Mm-hmm. Place at the Brock Crest. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, I think you had a leg and still come back. Yep. Yeah. One fourth. Third One or fourth. fourth. Third or fourth mm-hmm. with a leg. And it just, what was amazing was the confidence. Mm-hmm. I don't you. I don't, I don't know if it was growing or it was already there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. But... I mean, how how was that? Like each steer, did it just kind of build or? Well, the the whole time before that, way before that, uh, even before I got Bubba, I always was just like, man, if I if I just get the opportunity, if I just get the opportunity, I, it'll be my chance, you know. And I knew that, you know, when I finally did get great headers or good headers, I I didn't want to mess up. I wanted to be. You know, I wanted to show people who I was and, and that I, I felt like I was good enough. So I remember it like it was yesterday. Uh, we went to Arizona right before Cali just to kind of break the drive up. And I rode out there with Colton and Bueller. And the last practice we had right before we went to go to Logandale, uh, we were in the truck leaving the miner's house. We'd practiced all day, and Colton and Jeremy were talking about what they thought and, like, you know, what – what they were thinking like before like what kind of mental game they were going to have out there and I remember Colton asked me he said what do you think you know what are you what are you going to be thinking about out there Hunter and I remember I was looking out the window and I said uh, attack the feet I told myself you know I'm not backing down I'm going to try to do as good as I can I'm going to try to you know every time that steer turns I want to heal him by two feet and that's kind of the mode I felt like I was in out there the whole time was just attack the feet. I'm gonna get there and I'm gonna I'm gonna heal every single steer as fast as I can and and it uh luckily for me you know it it worked out that way. I, I got a lot of great opportunities. Me and Colton won two or three jackpots out there. Me and Cody placed at a couple good ones. We placed money at every single rodeo from Logandale to Clovis. So we placed at Logandale, Oakdale, Red Bluff, and won Clovis. Uh, whether it was just a round check or uh, average check and to me that was huge that was a huge confidence booster but I think it was just that mentality of you know I 
I didn't want myself to be nervous. You know, I didn't want myself to be like, gosh, dang, Hunter, you got a great header. You know, you can't mess up. I didn't want to be thinking like that. So, like, like I told Colton that day, I was attack the feet. That's the mode I was in, just try to be in as big of a beast mode as I could, I guess. And Well, it, at the, it's being true to mm-hmm. yourself, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. I mean, I think that's the thing is you could say, hey, I could go out there with Cody Snow. And if you come home and don't win a check and you were, like, just trying to catch and yeah. not, you, I mean, you probably feel terrible. Yeah, you don't want to be someone you're not, you know. Right. Just like you're saying, like, if, if I was taking them all to the third, third or fourth jump just trying to be safe, you know, or I just want to catch for Cody Snow, that probably wouldn't have worked out f- for me as good just because, like you said, that's not who you are. Uh, just like you said, being yourself. Yeah, I mean, I've only seen attack the feet is correct because mm-hmm. it like it's I swear to you it reminds me of Corey Petzka and Jake Long. <laughs> like I, I mean, those are yep. the only two healers that I know that will be at the big outdoor setups and mm-hmm. ride completely around the corner just mm-hmm. like they would if they had to be four flat. Yep. And and then I watch you do it, and that was the first year I watched you heal. It was just like that, and I was mm-hmm. like, oh boy. Like, I, I, I mean, I was I was like surprised. I was surprised yeah. at that. And you could see it going down the arena. I was mm-hmm. like, man, he is he is mm-hmm. up there. Yeah, he's up there where he, he like he ain't waiting for it to happen. And uh, yeah. and man, I, it, it's fun to see because I, I think that was the moment. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was yeah. the. I think in your mind, it was the moment you're like. Yep. I I can make it. Yep. I, this is what I'm doing for a living. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm now. I, I hate to say like arrived. It's like I feel mm-hmm. like it's such a cliche, but it was it was yep. probably that. That's that was the time. Like. Yeah, mm-hmm. you're like okay, and and you could like I I can beat the hell out of these yep. guys. I felt like a big boy right then. Yeah. I'm like, you know, I had the confidence and the. I knew I had the ability at that time. I guess you could say. And, right. Mm-hmm. You, you you'd put the work in. Yep. And it was your time. Yep. It was my time to do good. I guess. Yeah. Uh, that, that's so so cool to see. And then uh, from there, is that when you and Matt kind of got talking, or how yep. did that that worked? Is so uh, at Tucson that year, uh, Matt needed a partner. Bubba didn't want to go to Tucson, uh, and I, I was living at Colton's house, and Colton was going, so I was like, heck, I might as well, you know, I right. went right out there and go, and Colton called Matt for me and said, hey, you need a partner at Tucson? He said, yeah, I sure do, so, because uh, Matt was roping with Worley at the time, and Worley uh, wasn't going to go out there, so I went out there, and uh, we uh, placed on in the second round over there, and then we won the pre-survey, I'm pretty sure roped good and i overheard that matt was wanting to go to canada uh and i just told matt said hey you know i my partner doesn't want to go to canada i I would really like to go to canada uh and he he was you know he he said yeah i'd like to do that but i don't know if i want to rodeo down south that much he's like i just want to try to make the canadian finals well at that time that was you know, after Houston, I had like twenty six thousand one or something, uh, and I was, felt like I really needed a rodeo down here. Uh, so I, I, I kind of talked Matt into rodeoing down here too, which was luckily. Right. And uh, and then uh, yep, and then our first rodeo together was after Tucson was Reno. Didn't practice together or nothing. Just went out there and started started roping. Man, that's that's pretty cool. So, roping with Matt, it's it's a little different deal mm-hmm. uh, than most of your headers. Like, I I think.
think Matt's weird. He's he's the funniest header to me because mm-hmm. I think if you like look at the numbers, he's top five header all time. Absolutely. Yeah. And and I feel like sometimes he doesn't get the respect he deserves for being a top five header yep. all time. Yep. Uh, but then when money's up, he wins every time. And so, what did you learn? What was what was the biggest thing you learned about healing for Matt? Roping with Matt was the best thing that's ever happened to me as far as uh, just being around a, a, a positive, mentally strong winner uh, every day, all summer long. There, He's by far my favorite partner I've ever had just because, you know, he walks like he talks, I guess, just mentally strong. We're going to win. We're going to do good. And that guy's just a machine. I mean, we went to 90 rodeos probably, counting Canada. He broke two barriers all year long. Jeez. And that's impressive, but the most impressive part is how many times he was in the barrier. You know what I mean? It's not like he was missing it. And I bet he missed probably seven steers, eight steers all year long, going to that many rodeos. Uh, That was awesome to me. That that guy's a stud. and even like when we weren't doing good, uh, most of the time it was my fault, you know, just being young at that time. I'd never rodeoed all year before, uh, taking dumb shots sometimes maybe, you know, or, or just not, not healing like a professional. Sometimes he would just say, you know, plenty of chances left. We're going to do good. We're going to win. You know, it never was, gosh, dang, you know, we needed that one or, uh, you know, I missed my dally to win the first round at Napa, and then I missed my dally to win the second round at Napa. And, you know, at that time, as a header, yeah, that can be frustrating when, you know, you get out of the barrier and you do your job to win first, and your healer messes up both times, you know. But just get back to the trailer, headed to Salinas, we got this one, you know. Right. And that helped me a lot because I feel like last year could have went either way for me. Um if I wasn't for Matt, I think it would have went the other way. I don't think I'd have made the, the finals. And I hate to say that, but it's just true. Uh, after we won probably ten or 11,000 over the 4th of July. So I had, you know, close to nearly 50 at that time won. And I bet I missed 10 steers the next two or three weeks for good money. Starting to get down on myself. I mean, I, st- I still knew I was good enough and felt like I was good enough, but I just honestly couldn't figure out why it wasn't working, you know, just struggling. And every time, you know, Matt, same thing. Don't worry about it. There's plenty of chances left. We're going to do good. He'd call some buddies. We'd go rope somewhere, you know, or we'd go to somebody's house somewhere. It didn't matter where we were at, Utah, Colorado, Montana. We're going to get it figured out. <clears throat> And then when we go to practice during the summer, you know, you only got your couple good horses with you. You can't run too many, you know, before we'd rope. He'd look at me, you know, what do we need to do? What do we need to do to get to get this figured out? Come up with a game plan, try to execute it. Slowly but surely, you know, start getting a little better, a little better, start placing a little bit. And then I guess I struggled for two weeks. And then the third week we won 14000 in one week. And it was all because of Matt's attitude, our dedication to each other, the teamwork, trying to work it out together on how to get better. Even though it was my problem, you know, he was there every step of the way, making sure whatever he needed to do for us to win, he was going to do it. Whatever I needed help-wise, mentally, physically, you know, whether I needed to, you know, change some things I was doing, he was 
he was there to help and that's without that i, I don't i think it could have went you know you know how it is confidence out there starts going down it's hard it's, it's so yeah. easy because um, i was thinking about the runs at nampa i i, it, I forgot about it but mm-hmm. i i do remember both of them i believe do you did you grab your reins both times both times grab my reins mess up my dally both times to and go so, four nothing three eight maybe yeah and and this is what's tough about rodeo i I think is from reno till the 24th of july everyone horses are working good everyone is on point yep there's 80 teams that are knocking heads with you and they're (laughs) ready to go yeah and so those chances to win are they're not as many right in that time Mm -hmm. but the wins are a lot bigger yep and so nampa the rounds are Twenty-seven hundred to thirty-five hundred dollar day money, something like that. Good Maybe radio. even four thousand. Yeah. And then, I mean, that's seven, eight thousand in, right in, in twenty-four hours. Yeah. And you're yeah. like, and, and and then on top of it, it's like, when something like that happens, you like, you can see like, oh, the sky is falling mm-hmm. on me. And to yeah. have a, a header just be composed, and, mm-hmm. and and then you know you guys, we, I think we talked about this on the podcast yesterday with uh, with Stephen Doobie, mm-hmm. like how you guys went two or three weeks without winning, mm-hmm. but then to get through that, mm-hmm. and then just to turn it right back on, yep. it just it just adds to that mental strength mm-hmm. and that you know like yep. knowing hey, I, I can miss a steer, my partner can miss a steer, but we can turn it around. Yep. Yep. And I think that's that's a big deal to know that Huge. you can you can get out of the trap. Yep. That like you said, your mental strength goes up a hundred times if, if you get through something like that. It's just it's hard. The rodeo is is not easy. It's not for everybody, and it is the hardest thing on your mental game that you'll ever go through. Um, it's like playing in the World Series for three months is what it feels like to me. You know, yeah. it's. It's a huge deal. Everywhere you go is big money. You know, people like to talk about how good the 4th of July is and stuff, money-wise. But really, the whole summer is nearly that good. You know, three months out of the year, you're going to rodeos that pay four or 5000 you know. And uh, it's just just realizing that, that you know, if something don't go your way, or a lot of it's it's just getting through that and being able to, to, to keep the same you know confidence is the hardest part but you you have to if if you don't you're gonna you're gonna just keep going falling down worse and worse and worse but that's that was the best part about roping with matt is you know we got this no big deal there's plenty of other chances he wasn't panicking no. he wasn't blaming anyone he, he wasn't just, you know we're going to the next rodeo yeah. we're staying with it yeah and you know he not talking about going home and stuff like that because you know that that's hard on your partner's mind too if if you know that stuff happens but even when you know in all reality he probably was you know because he didn't have that much one at that time because he didn't have as good of a winner in or california you know and i'm sure in the back of his mind he was thinking gosh dang if we don't win nothing in the next couple of weeks we ain't even gonna have a chance you know right. but just not bringing that up is and all that's to do with just mental strength and being a leader like he was and that was great yeah so what was the steer you healed where it punched the ticket in where you realized you've made the finals? Oof, I don't, for me, it was later on, but when people started congratulating me was like, um, I think it is Kennewick before Walla Walla. I think so. Yeah. I think yeah. it's the week before Kennewick's the uh, week before. Placed, placed in the first round of Kennewick and, uh, I kind of thought it might be good enough. And then at Walla Walla, 
I think it's like a couple of days later, uh, Jade Corkle came up to me and told me congratulations and said he was happy for me and proud of me. So that helped a little bit, but I was still like, you know, there was so much money in the healing this year one. I mean, I think I was 13th with 85,000. You know, there's only two more places to move that can get me out of there, I felt like. But uh, when I felt when I felt like, you know, it's it's a done deal to me was Pialop. We won second at Pialop this year, which is a, a really good rodeo. Um, I felt like that was, I started getting a sigh of relief. And then we went to the California rodeos, uh, the... I can't remember what rodeos are. You go to Mona, Utah, and then you go to... Yeah, yeah. I, I forget the ones that are in California, yeah. but it's the very last... Yeah, it's going on week, the same time much. as like the last week of Omaha, Kansas City, all that. Uh, we placed at the Utah rodeo, and we placed at a California rodeo, and that punched the ticket for Matt, because right. Matt was still on the bubble, 14th, 13th. Could get moved if some guys do good, so I'm still nervous for him, because I, I didn't want to go there without him. Uh, right. I wanted to make sure Matt was in, and uh, it didn't really hit me until I got home, and then it was like, boom. Like, I just made the NFR. This is this is crazy. So, you know, you've got to be – I mean, it's it's got to be exciting yeah. making the finals. Like, I, I mean, I feel like that's got to be – is it this huge sigh of relief, or is this a huge amount of weight like and stress or, or both? It was It was a – combination of everything for me when I when I first got home it was you know just relaxed like thank goodness we did it and then I, I kind of got a little like emotional about it like oh my gosh I've been working for this you know every, I've dedicated my life to this and I just did it and so that was that was crazy for me and then you know and then a little bit of stress comes in uh right before you start getting ready for it you know like I need to be you know, I don't know what to expect. I don't really know what to get ready for or how it's going to feel. So you start stressing about that stuff. But um, I had enough good friends like uh, Paul and those guys. And, I, you know, what do I need to get ready for and what do I need to expect? And, you know, they were good about, you know, same thing you've been doing all year. Just heal them steers as fast as you can. So, you know, do do your job. You're going you're gonna to do great. So... And then when I went to practice for the finals, I went to Arizona to Matt's house, away from everything, kind of on our own little island. It felt like uh, so that was that was good to practice over right. there and get ready for that. And I kind of got settled in once we did that. And then uh, I remember I I, uh, I had two horses saddled the day you break in steers over there and going down the tunnel, the concrete tunnel, and you don't really know what to expect and. I walk in there and it's just yellow everywhere, you know, and it's the huge ceiling and the buck and shoots you've watched on TV your whole life. And I had to lope off. I started crying. <laughs> I, I didn't know how to handle it, but I finally got control of myself. And Matt turned the first two. I think we dropped eight steers when we broke them in. And everyone he turned felt good and made good runs. And I was pretty calm after that. I, I never really got nerves or jittered up again. It felt once I realized it was another rodeo, it was it was fine. So tons of emotions, obviously. Oh man! I mean, you're, it was you're hard. excited and I'm yeah. sure panicked. Yeah. And like there's just all this. You got ten steers. I mean, it's just a whole yeah. different different animal, right? Yeah. 
I, I've heard it a few times. Like, and I, I've heard of guys like, "Hey, if you if you break these steers in over here and it goes bad, yeah, you're gonna you're gonna be stressing <laughs> yeah. all week. But that round one's gonna yeah. be bad. Yeah. And um, what do you do to like bring it back in, like mentally focused? Do you have something that you kind of go to that kind of helps you when it's stressful or emotional or whatever you're going through? Yep. Uh, like I said the other day when we were videoing, you know, I tell myself, you know, see the steer, see the feet, rope the feet when I'm in the box. And I try to just make sure, you know, I do that at every rodeo, make sure I do that at this rodeo. That way it's kind of like my home base. I, I don't feel like it's anything different than what it really is. So, you know, when we, when we broke in the steers, I just get in there, take a deep breath. I'd tell myself that. And then we made that first run and just Matt headed him. I healed him as fast as I could. I felt like, and I was, I, it felt like, like I said, just another rodeo, and it felt, I felt at home. I didn't feel nervous. Uh, after that, it was, it was just game on from there, then on. Okay, how important is it uh, having a, a header that matches your style? Like I feel like you like to go yep. fast. Yep. So you, it's almost like Matt. I feel like Matt. He knew mm -hmm. he could. Yep. He could try to catch more cattle, yep. you know, and take maybe less risk, yep. but turn you more steers because he knew you were going to make up for it. Is, yep. that, is that something that kind of come together with the strategy yep. or that you look for with your partners? Yep. As a, as a team, uh, I think I think you have to sit down and have that conversation and, and, and practice that. Uh, every every great team whether it's you know team roping or football or basketball they the great teams know their weaknesses and they're they know what they're going to do to to make people overlook that weakness or to conquer that weakness or whatever it is so i think that's a that's a huge deal just a communication deal of you know whether it's like me, I feel like uh, I, I really feel more confident if I'm able to just kind of have my way with them, go fast, set it up fast. I feel better if, you know, if me and my header can be on the same page. Hey, you know, if you throw your whole rope and, and duck and the steer washes out and stuff, uh, my style's a little bit harder that way. I'm not saying I can't do it, but it's just they it don't feel like home to me, you know, so like me and Colton have this talk a lot uh Colton's like you know this year I'm gonna try to just get out of the barrier set it up as good as I can high percentage wise and let you do what you want with them and it, it feels you know if you can if you can do that with your partner or if you can have that talk you know your chances of success to me are, is is way better rather than just trying to you know, not talk about it and just do your own deal, you know, you can, you could prevent a lot of struggles throughout the year that you could have, you know, cause like we were talking earlier, you know, two or three bad weeks puts you behind a lot. And you know, there's so much money out there and stuff that, yeah, I mean, if you can be on top of that and if you can be working on that and practicing that, and that's, that's probably the, the best way to go about that. You know, Colton's done a great job this winter. He's, He's just turned a lot of cows. He's not done nothing crazy. Uh, we've made every single short round this winter except for Fort Worth. Uh, our goal this winter was, you know, we're going to do our job, not overdo anything. We're going to try to make every single short round. And that was pretty cool for us to be able to, you know, we've made them all except for that one, which we'd like to be in that one. But that was uh, that was something we worked on every day. Okay, this is what 
I'm going to get out of the barrier and I'm going to turn them and I'm going to let you do what you want with them. Go fast, you know, how you like to heal. And it, it seems to work work good that way. Right. Well, and I think that's where it just, it, I mean, it's just like that where things can, where mm-hmm. the ship could take in water. Yeah. If, the, if there's a team yeah. that has, they're not on the same page, I mean, it, it can they fall apart fast. Yeah. yeah. And it's just like the finals. I mean, you, you probably don't quite know what to do. It's a long mm-hmm. week. Yeah. Um, and it's it's set up where you guys you know did did pretty well and yep. and was in a good spot and yep. and went into it feeling good. Yep. And I I think that's the big thing is it can be real easy to go into that thing. Yeah. And just yeah panic you know like oh yeah. my gosh it can it can be very easily done that way panic and right not work out. So what is the like if you called one of your old partners like if you called Matt and he said what is the best thing about roping with you what do you think he'd say? I don't well he's he's always you know team up in journals called him and stuff before and he's I, I feel like he, I feel like I was you know just because the way he was I felt like I was I fed off him being a great partner so it made me uh, be a good partner as far as you know not throwing any fits not getting mad just you know we got this I, I feel like just me feeding off him I felt like it made me a better partner for him too just mentally and uh, just being a good guy basically right I just think. kind of having each other's yep. back yeah. no matter what yeah I think that's and, was, is that, and that's something now you just try to make it a point yep and, uh, absolutely do you think that's one of the, the big keys to teams being successful 100% good chemistry is is a lot with uh, rodeo and to me uh, I've seen I've seen it go the other way for some people and um I've seen, you know, me not do as good of a job as I could have and it not work out, you know. So now I try to base everything on, you know, being behind your partner, you know. And it's easy if you know they're working at it and they're trying, you know. It's not like they're trying to mess up and it's not like you're trying to mess up. If It's just trying to be the the best partner you can mentally and helping them mentally and uh, that's that's very very important to me right because like I said it could have went either way for me last year you know if I had a partner that was dogging or dogging me or like what the heck's the deal man you got to do better I'm already telling myself that anyways you know I don't need you to tell me that too so uh, I feel like that's where what I'm saying is like it could have went either way but having that mentally strong you know it's gonna be all right. You rope good. I rope good. We're gonna win. Don't worry about it. There's plenty of chances left. That, that's huge. huge. Yeah, man. I I gotta agree. Um, the the mental side of things is that something you study a, a little bit too. Yeah. The the mental game. Yeah, I like uh, I like uh, looking at books and articles and stuff like that. You know, Michael Jordan stuff. Those guys and. Uh, I like uh, just observing other great people. Like uh, I like to watch the great healers a lot and be around them and kind of quiz them a little bit every now and then on what they think about things or how they not try to be not not try to do too much to where I annoy them or whatever. But I uh, I'm very observant about that stuff. Right. What's been the biggest from peace or? thing that you've taken away from either like a great athlete or one of the, the greatest healers that, that you really has maybe changed or applied to your life I've learned 
quite a bit from like a Michael Jordan's trainer uh, wrote a book. Uh, I think Relentless. Yep. Uh, last year through California while I was driving, I was reading that on audiobook. Uh, just learning that a lot of the stuff that you do that reflects on your competition is stuff that doesn't even have anything to do with what you're doing. You know, like disciplining yourself in other areas other than just roping makes your discipline better in roping. You know, like he was talking about how he puts those athletes on, you know, a certain diet, a no sugar diet. Yep. And he tells them, if you cheat this diet, you're out of my you're out of my class or whatever you yeah, want to call train you. I won't, yeah. I'm not training you. And what I got out of that is basically he's just learning their discipline, seeing if they're disciplined enough to actually go through with being great. You know, he said there's the three classes of athletes. I can't remember the names of the three of them, but there's the good ones, the great ones, and the, the monsters, basically. Yeah, yeah, he's got like an analogy. Yeah. For like the... Uh, I think he calls them cleaners. Yeah, cleaners. And that would have been like Kobe Bryant, Michael yeah. Jordan, Dwayne Wade. Yeah. Yep, guys like that. And the discipline they had outside of of the gym or or, or their basketball playing, uh, that's what I took from that. You know, I am try to discipline myself in other ways outside of roping to make my roping more disciplined. And I don't know if that's hard to understand or if I'm explaining that right or not. but uh, No, I, I think it totally makes sense. So either, it's, like, easier to build yeah, on things yeah. like you're like, man, if I if I get up early and I, I mean, yep. even if I'm tired and I know yep. I'll get up, you yep. know, didn't get any sleep, get yep. up, do what I need to do, yep. take care of my horses, yep. whatever it is. Might clean your room, take care of your yep. place, uh, clean the truck, yep. whatever it is. That's, like, my deal. Uh, like, uh, I'm, I'm going to make it a point to every single day, I'm cleaning my stalls, raking their pens, you know, cleaning out the old hay out of the feeders, you know, just stuff like that to make me a better person, which is a building block to making you a better, more disciplined rope and stuff like that. Like easy stuff that's simple that can help you. That's what I took from that book, just the little things that will help you achieve great things, in my opinion. And I, what do you think about this? I, I noticed it for me a little bit is... I've really tried to pay attention to little details. I, mm-hmm. I read a, a deal. It was, it was about a oh, uh, they're training like a cyclist team, and mm-hmm. they're like, we we just try to do everything one percent better. Mm-hmm. And I got thinking, well, if I like make sure my ropes are taken care of one mm-hmm. percent better, I know what they're gonna feel like. Yep. Um, just every little thing, like my tag, mm-hmm. my, my horses, mm-hmm. all of it. Just just the little little things. And what I notice is I'll get at those ropes, and I'm like. Man, it was, we were in Arizona the other day, and it got mm-hmm. pretty hot. Mm-hmm. And then when the sun goes down, it gets pretty cold. Mm-hmm. But I kind of, I was ready, like I had my ropes ready for it. They all felt the same all mm-hmm. day. Um, had a, it just, it just mm-hmm. kind of felt like I was prepared. Yeah, yeah. And um, and those things like that, you like, is that something that you you notice it too? Like it just builds momentum, and it makes yep. it like you're on, you're like detail oriented. Yep. Yep, that's like you said. Just it's it's building blocks to to set up a great a great day or a great summer or a great year. You know, little things like that. <clears throat> just building blocks of of you getting better and you doing better and 
you caring, you know, you, you care if you do good. So you took care of your ropes, your ropes felt great. You know, that, that was just that much higher percentage of a chance of you winning. You know, to me, that's the way I look at it. Like I remember times when I first started studying this kind of stuff and started like working at, it, you know, I might go to a jackpot and not do good. And, you know, I didn't braid my horse's mane or, and didn't brush him. I was like, well, heck, you don't even care, Hunter. You know, you didn't even take the time to braid your horse's mane. How would you expect to win? You know, you, you didn't even care. And that's <clears throat> when I started, you know, I, I did everything, you know, put my saddle how I want it, had my rubber on my saddle horn just right, my ropes feel good. You know, uh, my, I've took the time preparing my horse all week. I practiced on him the way I needed to to make him work good. All those little bitty details coming together in one, if you don't win then, you know, it's not because you didn't try. You right. know, it's not because you didn't put in the effort. It's not if, – if I would have went through that same deal and my saddle horn rubber was messed up, my horse wasn't working right, uh, my ropes were – left out in the sun all day you know whatever it is and i didn't win then i i'm gonna be mad at myself you know i didn't try i didn't well it's like a it's like a losing habit compared to a winning habit yeah so, so think about i this is a great point uh you talk about rubber on the saddle horn i I, mean, I remember just thinking that the other day i was i was working on i fixed mine and i was mm -hmm. just like man this is i try to make sure that that feels pretty good and mm -hmm. if you think about it if you heel a steer head of steer and your rope slides a few inches, whatever, mm -hmm. and you lose one or two tenths, or maybe more as a header because you might handle that steer a little differently. Yep, that's just might be the difference between first and fourth. Yep, and or it might be the difference between winning check and not, and mm -hmm. and it might be the difference between going to the next jackpot, and yep. and having to stay home or work. Mm -hmm. And I think you, when we look at those little details, that adds up over a whole yep. year, over competing sixty-five to a hundred times yep. a year. Or I, I even told a guy this one time. They're like, "Man, I don't, I don't think those boots do anything." He's like, mm -hmm. I, "I use overreach boots." I'm like, "I don't think those other ones do anything." Mm -hmm. I'm like, "Well, here's the thing. If I look like a, I'm taking care of my horse. That means something to me. Yeah. And if that boot is the difference one time throughout my whole life on a head horse, it's worth." A hundred and fifty dollar pair of boots Absolutely. to put them on every single time I rode. Absolutely. And and it might be a deal where you don't even like that horse, but if mm -hmm. someone else is like, man, he's taking care of that horse, his main tail's mm -hmm. great, he's got boots on him. Yep. Someone might fit that horse and you sell mm -hmm. that horse, that might get you to the next one. Yep. And it's like those little, little details mm -hmm. I think make the difference between hey being successful or wherever mm -hmm. you're at to, to being great. Mm -hmm. And I think that Absolutely. that is really what we mm -hmm. where we miss some things, yep. especially as competitors, is we can let little things slide in it. Yep. It, it it adds up over yep. time. That's like the you know, the the great ropers. You watch them at any you know, whether they're at the Tuesday night jackpot or the NFR, their horses look the same, you know, nice got them all working good they all look good nice gear on them you know they're they're set up to win you know they're not they're not setting themselves up for failure everything they do they're gonna be winners when they saddle their horse they're gonna be winners when they warm their horses up they're gonna it's just that attitude of win everything you do everything you do in life you want to win it you know whether it's you know today i'm gonna mow the yard you know yeah. Yeah, when I people did that. aren't watching. Yeah. 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 If you're winning when people aren't watching, yeah. it, it it's only natural for yeah. it to happen, I think, when 
when it does matter on the, yeah. the bigger stages. And some people are probably like, you know, what the heck, you know, just that little stuff like that, that don't matter when, you know, that's, that matters a lot. Little things coming together that are going to make you win is, is huge. Well, I mean, it's just like that. Like, let's just say you put a brand new pair of legacy boots on yep. your horse or white boots and he, yep. he really sticks out. Yep. And then someone asks you and you sell that horse. Yep. And that might be the difference in yep. you finding the next great horse yep. for you. And uh, it's just like those little things, mm. you know. Everything's think, a chain event yeah, happening. Yeah. yeah. They all kind of feed each other. Yep. I agree. All right. Well, man, we've been at, we've been at it for a while. I got one, one last question. Okay. What's your biggest fear as a roper? What is there something that just fear what my, do you have one as a as a healer my biggest fear that also i think helps me is not becoming great i hate that i, I don't want that to happen i don't want to become just a guy that made the finals a couple of times or i don't want to be a guy that man that guy used to rope really good that's my biggest fear i don't ever want to plateau I don't ever want to fall off, which I know that there's going to be a time when when I'm going to be forgotten or whatever, but I want to be dominant for a long time, and I, I want to get to where I'm the best, one of the best in the world, you know. Uh, I don't want to settle for just being a good roper. Uh, that's my biggest fear, and like I said, that's also what helps me to stay driven every day to to try to be the best I can be to work as hard as I can that that's what uh I, I use that fear to to help drive me right so I think that's deep because uh like you look at yourself in the mirror and you know mm -hmm. hey I'm giving it every day I'm giving yep. it all I got um if there's days where you feel like you're cheating it mm -hmm. cheating yourself yep that's all you're doing yep you're only cheating yourself you're setting yourself up for that fear to become reality basically uh you know how how many guys have you seen that rope super good and then like you said they just disappear oh it's, it's yeah. happening all the time yeah um so do you think that's something when you're 50 60 70 years old and your yep. roping arms pretty much falling off yep. you're looking at yourself in the mirror yep uh if you can look at yourself in the mirror and say hey i i, I give it everything i had yep and i think it to me it means you can mm -hmm. be exactly where you're at. Maybe never make the finals again. Yep. But if you work at it like you are mm -hmm. for you no longer want to and mm -hmm. have that desire, you you can be happy. Yep. If if I can do that and get to where, you know, I've done all the steps I've needed to do to become who I want to be and and be a great roper and be a great person. Uh and then like you said, when I'm sixty years old, seventy years old, to where I can't physically compete anymore with, with the guys that are winning, I'd like to help other kids get to that point, you know. I kids like myself that, you know, don't have you know, a rope atmosphere to begin in, don't have the tools they necessarily need or whatever, uh, to get the kids like that to there's so many people out there that wanna be great that that just need a little nudge or a little help or a little something to to get to where they need to be to to be successful. Uh, I'd love to help people out like that when when I can't do it no more. If I can get someone else there, I'd be happy. Well, how big was that when you were a kid?
kid mm-hmm. and that guy they were I didn't want to take you to West of Thorpe's because I didn't want to take someone who didn't want it yep that was the changing port that's branded in you yep and and so I, I think that's a that's a big thing to understand like mm-hmm. hey we're yep. time's running out yep and to make the most out of it and, and to have that fear you know mm-hmm. understanding that this is what I want to do and I want to be as great at it as po- as I possibly can yep yep because I read something the other day there's it's like two percent of the population actually goes on to be professionals at their childhood dream you know or whatever and a lot of that's just someone not hearing that you know like I heard it you know I didn't take you because you didn't want it or just some kind of something that sets a fire in them and believing in people that tell them you know you, you can't do that you can't be a professional basketball player you're too short or whatever just helping people understand that they don't have to listen to that they don't have to settle for that you know you can you can do anything you want you just gotta bust your butt you can't but then I mean there's also the group of people that say they want it and then it's like the other way around like I read something the other day everybody wants to be a beast until it's time to do what beasts do yeah you know it's if I could help kids or anybody get to that point that wants it like that, that would be awesome for me. Right. Man, I think that's that's pretty powerful stuff. Do you have any regrets to this point? Hmm. Any regrets? Probably my, with your healing my, or how you've went about it. Your, you know, do you have any regrets? Starting late would be my biggest regret. Uh, if I could have worked as hard as I have been in the last since 2013 or 14 or whatever uh if i could have started when i was you know 10 years old or something that would that would have been i wish i my mind would have been mature enough for that or if i'd have had the the right stuff i needed to start I, i wish i could have started earlier but other than that just nah that's about the only regret i think i have right now right well i think that's what's funny about regrets and I, I don't know do you think like I mean I'm sure you've missed some steers for some yeah. big money right yeah do you want any of them back or yep. do you think do you think yep. those actually help you so you don't miss yep. that steer again or how, how do you how do you look at those uh, there's two steers this last year that really stood out to me uh, I roped a leg to win probably first or second at Cody and then uh, the fifth round steer at the finals I missed that steer, lost both feet. That one really could have been the difference in, you know, us having a chance to win the world or, you know, placing in the average. That steer was was a very, very, very important. Uh, just if I could have just held my slack up a little longer, uh, we'd have been four or five instead of no time, you know. Just little, paying attention to detail and little things that I've, I lost a little bit of focus right there. I rushed it down to the horn caused us to get a no time you know just little little paying attention to detail better could have could have been the difference in me having a chance at the world the last two nights or you know that's something that I really wish I'd have done better and then the steer at Cody I roped a leg to one first or second you know that's that's another 10,000 yeah and you know that's goes back to the fifth round steer if I had an extra 10,000 you know that's another better chance at winning the world or and stuff like that so just part of part of learning and getting better i guess yeah do you uh 
Do you try to make sure that those steers, that, that's something that you set it up to practice for and yep. kind of get, like, essentially from from losing, you make yep. it, you make yourself better? Yep. Uh, yeah, Bruce Lee talks about losing a lot. Uh, I've, I've looked at a lot of that guy's quotes and stuff that he said, and at first I didn't really understand. He said, you have to learn how to lose before you win, and I didn't really understand that, but now it's when you do lose learning from losing you know like on that situation there you know we'd been roping good we've caught the first few steers i lose a little bit of focus just kind of getting a rhythm causes me to miss him you know so i learned from that right there you know it doesn't matter if you've caught nine out of the ten at the nfr on the first jump that tenth one you better be paying attention just as good as you were on the first one you know still have your steps yeah don't get in that groove of just wham wham every night right there that's what i'm doing you know pay attention this year's going down the arena a little bit i need to hold my slack i'm going to keep both feet and win a check instead of just roping right you know so that's something i've really took from that man that's that's cool i it's fun to watch where you're at and i do it i'm I'm proud of you. I think well, it's thanks, pretty. Pace. It's pretty cool. I appreciate that. Also, the footage on X Factor, man. I was, ri- I was <laughs> so excited about how that come out. Uh-huh. That was by far, like I said, it was one of our our better killing video shoots, just because of, uh, just how much you owned up to. Like this is your style. This mm-hmm. is how you set it up, and then to see see all that go into it, like. It was fun, man. Well, I, I appreciate that. I think that. you got a, a great outlook on healing, so it's... I just it's, appreciate y'all video on that. That was fun. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. Well, thanks again. Thank you, Pace. Thanks again for listening to this podcast. This was one of my favorite ones with Hunter Cook. The footage is going up on xfactorroping.com. He is an amazing healer to watch. He sets things up so well. One of the fastest guys in the industry. It would really mean a lot to me. Support xfactorroping.com as well as give us a rating and... and We love to hear feedback from you, so we're trying to give you the best content possible. I really appreciate it. Thank you.